estate agent and you're tired of cold calling, door knocking, and spending money on ads, then subscribe to this podcast. We discuss leveraging the power of YouTube for your real estate business and how these strategies earned us over $1 million in GCI our first year in real estate. My name is Levi Lassick and my partner is Travis Plum. Let's get started. All right, welcome. Well, we are live and we are live here on the Real Agents on this uh, wonderful Wednesday afternoon. So welcome everyone. And this is the opportunity where you can jump in and get your questions answered. You can either throw them in the chat below or uh, if you're in our private Facebook group, then you can get the link if you wanna come on the live stream and ask your questions live. That's actually what we prefer because we love to interact and, and have conversations. So, uh, and I think it uh, looks like the camera, I think we finally got the camera stuff figured out. Uh, we may turn into professional YouTubers after all, who knows? Uh, so this is this is the fun thing about uh, learning as, as you grow. And I think this is a, a cool opportunity to also stress the fact that it's progress, not perfection is what we are always working towards. And I'm still a student of the game. I, I believe that 100%, I'm always learning, always trying to figure out new things, always growing, uh, attending conferences, uh, meetings, uh, masterminds, Zoom calls, whatever. I, if I see something, somebody posts something somewhere, I'm going to jump on and always try to learn and uh, books as well. And sometimes reading the same books over and over and over again. Today, we kind of wanted to talk about as we give some people some time to jump on uh, we're going to give some people, uh, as we do that, I wanted to talk a little bit about quality versus quantity. And this is something that uh, we've discussed before as far as lead source opportunities, quality versus quantity. Now, typically, whenever I was uh, getting ready to make my move into real estate, something that was very popular, still popular to this day, is Facebook leads, for example. And so the question always comes to the, uh, comes to the table of, would you rather have a lot of leads? And you could also clearly try to clearly define what a lead is. But would you rather have a lot of leads uh, because that keeps you busier? Or would you rather have quantity or quality of leads uh, to where uh, clearly not as many, but you have a higher conversion rate? I think most people are going to say they want quality of leads. Now, the thing is, is that as you work through those clients and you convert them, then that does leave some time on your hands possibly, but the main thing is, is that if you understand how you generated the quality leads in the first place, then you want to ramp up if you, uh, you know, if your schedule's not full. So the main thing to do is, uh, first of all, I think you can uh, control to a certain extent uh, quality of leads through YouTube based on how much you post. And really that could probably be the same for any social platform, depending on how often you post, is going to uh, determine if you generate business. Just like uh, whenever we got started in uh, on YouTube, one thing I noticed was that any agent in Dallas was posting about one video a week. Well, first of all, if I want to get even close to catching them or possibly uh, passing them at any point, I know I need to outwork them. So I'm going to start out with three videos a week. But three videos a week is giving myself three times the opportunity to be seen. Now, once you start to generate business from that and it starts to come in, you know, it's very simple that uh, if you if you tone or if you back off of the content, then you're probably going to get less views from that. And then it's probably going to turn into uh, less leads. And so now if you step up uh, your content and publish more videos, that, of course, is giving you more eyeballs and more opportunities and probably going to generate more leads now. The thing is, is I've kind of seen it uh, go both ways over our journey on YouTube in the last 18 months. 
you know, last month, and just uh, just for um, for example, last month we had one of our highest viewed months ever uh, on the channel. However the lead flow kind of uh, was less than what it normally is. Now, I think there's a couple of factors that do play into that. That is, a, there is a difference between, or what's happening right now, there is, of course, the market shifting, buyers are starting to back off, and uh, because they're a little bit concerned about interest rates. Now, the thing is, is that if you want to survive in this market, I believe that the more, the most visible agents are going to be the ones that survive through that, and you're, you're likely going to be most visible on social media or online. So we're not going to back off of content. We're going to step up content is the strategy to do that. However, we have people in our pipeline from last year, six months ago and 12 months ago, that are coming to surface now because uh, last uh, last six or six months ago and, the last, and 12 months before that, they didn't necessarily want to jump into a red hot market where they were you know, having 30 offers on every single home. So now they're not as concerned with the interest rates. They're more about getting a good deal or not having to compete or fight with other offers. So we're uh, actually in the last week, we've done more deals with uh, I would say people that we've had discussions with in the past than ever before, which is a good thing because they said, you know, six months to 12 months ago, they were waiting on the sideline for things to cool off. Now that things have cooled off, you know, to a certain extent, I mean, here in Dallas, we're still seeing multiple offers on properties, especially the ones that are priced right. But we are finding more, uh, more properties that have been sitting for a week or two, which, uh, you know, that's even way above uh, normal anyways, but that seems like uh, not normal compared to the last 12 months. But if they're sitting now for 12 weeks, or I mean, two weeks, then the, the, the listing agents are very happy to talk with us, work on a deal. Uh, so it's interesting how six months ago, it was difficult to get a listing agent on the phone and also to try to work those deals, even though we were still successful at that. Now they're answering their phones. They're willing to uh, negotiate. They're willing to do whatever it takes, uh, you know, to make things happen. But ultimately, you know, the, the, the stats on Facebook leads are, are pretty dismal. Right now, they say uh, Facebook leads on a conversion ratio average between one to three percent, meaning if you generate 100 leads, you're likely only, only going to close one, two, possibly three at the high end of those 100 leads. Now, the other um, stat that goes along with that is it takes on average average nine months to convert a Facebook lead. Well, why is that? It's mainly because Facebook is an, is an interruption platform. Not a lot of people that I know say, hey, honey, it's time to buy a house. Let's go on Facebook and see what's on the market. So people are going to Facebook to catch up on their friends and families, to see what they're doing, uh, to see what you ate for lunch, maybe to catch the news. It is more of a, a news source now to most people as well. And that's what they're going there for. They're not necessarily going there to search out real estate, but as they scroll, what happens is they get hit with a lot of real estate ads. That is interrupting what they're doing. However, you will collect leads from that. And on average, what I've seen, you could simply have a $10 a day budget, you know, spend about $300 a month and on average collect about 100 leads per month. That's pretty good. Uh, but again, that's 100 people to call. And I've, I've Travis has done this. Uh, several people that we've worked with have done this. And you can be successful from that. We're not saying this doesn't work at all. And you can close deals a, a lot sooner than nine months as well. We're just saying that averages work out to about nine months that it takes for most people. But 
you could find somebody that's in the market that is ready to make a move and you could convert them very quickly within 30, 60, 90 days. We have seen that before. But Travis did this as well. Before we started working uh, together, this was one of his main source of, of lead uh, leads that he went through was Facebook ads. He was familiar how to run them and so he did that, but he found himself calling for uh, several hours per day just to try to have a lot of conversations with people, with a lot of people that weren't necessarily even in the market. Most of them, uh, well, most of them didn't know who he was. Uh, you know, didn't remember what they clicked on. Didn't remember what they filled out. You know, they have capturing systems now to where if you just click on a couple of things, it will capture your data from Facebook. And so, therefore, it doesn't even seem like uh, sometimes that you input your information on there, but just by clicking a couple of buttons, that's giving permission for that ad to capture the information. And if that's the case, whenever you call someone, they may not even realize that they filled out uh, that ad form completely. And so, uh, at the same time, they may say, "Oh, yeah, what was this about? Oh, it's that real." estate ad yeah I just like the picture I was just curious on the price of that home or I was just looking around and so that's what happens because again it's an interruption platform you do get to talk to people and you can build a database that way but again what happens the next month is you're going to collect another hundred leads and the next month after that you'll collect another hundred leads and then over three months you've got 300 people now from a quantity standpoint, that may seem great if you had nobody to work with three months previous to that. But then at the third month, if you're trying to just stay in touch with people once per month, now you've got 300 people by month three that you have to call through just to maintain some sort of, of you know, uh, relationship with them. And so that's where the struggle comes in because guess what? After the fourth, the fifth month, you could have an, an additional couple hundred leads. And now after you think about it, eight months, you have 800 leads. There's no way that you're going to be able to keep up with all those people on a monthly basis unless you build in triggers and automations and campaigns and things like that to follow up with them, which most CRMs these days do have those capabilities. So that's not uh, too far gone. So that is one way you could look at the upside of this is that it's a simple way to build your database to get people in your system. And if you can get them on follow-up campaigns and automated triggers and you know anything like that, then, then your uh, system or your CRM or your AI or whatever it is you're using to work those leads could start popping up people six, seven, eight months down the road. And that's typically um, how that works. Now, the thing is, is that again, you have to go through a lot of people and you'll spend the money to do that. So you get uh, what they call top of funnel leads. That's, that's really what Facebook comes down to. Not only is it interruption platform, but these are what are called top of funnel leads. And there's three main, uh, there's, you know, three main levels of a funnel, which is top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel. All that is is a fancy marketing term for uh, sales process or sales journey or client journey, whatever it is you want to call it. Uh, ultimately, people have to, you know, people are out there. Not a lot of people know who you are. We knew this going into this is nobody knew who we were. And so anybody that found us at the time would, wouldn't necessarily know we were in real estate if we started to run those ads, just like was Travis was doing on Facebook. Well, when they find that, they find the ad. That's top of funnel. They're just seeing you or your ad or your product or your service for the very first time. You know, that doesn't mean that they know you at all whatsoever. They see you, may not remember you from the next day. And we know this because if, if, they, uh, if you capture their information and you call them that day or even the next day, they may not even exactly know who you are. So they're unfamiliar with who you are. And so that's why on Facebook, you have to have uh, targeting campaigns. You have to have retargeting campaigns. You have to have target audiences and custom audiences and lookalike audiences. And, and you have to put in all these different uh, factors 
players to do that because what you're going to have to do is hit them again and again and again. They're going to have to become familiar with you. And so uh, by doing that, by retargeting or uh, continually posting, then when they come back on the platform, you'll be able to, you know, retarget and, and, and uh, you know, hit them again with, with either same ads or different ads or something like that. And that way you start to put them through the process. You try to move them to middle of the funnel. That way, whenever they see your ads, they start to build some sort of familiarity with you. But it really is more of a familiarity standpoint versus a, uh, you know, a relationship standpoint. Now, the thing is, is again, once you, uh, if you take them through that next step to bottom of funnel, ultimately bottom of funnels, whenever they've made a decision to where either uh, they reach out to you is ideal. That's the best way. Now, again, um, you could call them anytime that they're in middle of top of funnel does. And that's still not usually the best place to capture somebody because they still may not know who you are. But if you get to the point where the, you um, market to them over and over and over again, and they reach out to you, then they've moved themselves to bottom of funnel. They become bottom of funnel leads. And so therefore that you have a higher chance of converting that client at the time as to where YouTube, you know, YouTube walks clients through this entire process at no charge. Actually, YouTube will target them for you. And that's the that's the great thing about YouTube is that uh, and especially since things are based on search. I know that we talk about uh, that people want to find your videos or, or ultimately you want YouTube recommendations and browse features to recommend your videos. But ultimately, uh, that can be seasonal as we've discussed in other videos uh, versus evergreen. Search is an evergreen strategy. So anytime somebody searches the keywords that we've placed in our videos and built our videos around, they're likely to pop up first and foremost. And so if they find that, first of all, they feel like they found that video on their own. They feel like it's a trusted video, and so therefore uh, YouTube has recommended it to them, and people trust YouTube so much to do that that when they search and it pops it up, uh, they say about 73% of people will choose one of the first five videos that pop up in search. So that's a really uh, important factor of getting your videos ranked in the top five results because that is going to give you a better opportunity for somebody to click on your videos. Then if you have two or possibly three in the top five search results, you're going to look like an automatic authority figure. Uh, you're going to look like the most popular uh, person in your, in your uh, field of uh, business. And that could be real estate. It could be uh, plumbing. It could be financial advising. But it, And you've seen this. When you've searched other topics, you've seen other creators' videos probably. If you see two or three of them pop up in the top five, you're probably going, oh, well, this person must be the authority. So I'm probably going to click on one of their videos. So that is that is very, very important. But you want to at least get one of those videos in the top five because that's going to give you a better chance. So from there, they, they, they're at top of funnel, but then they clicked on your video. Well, the most important thing at that aspect, is, at, that, at that point, is to have uh, quality of content. So quality does matter here again because if you have quality of content, then people are going to stay plugged in to uh, that video, they're gonna stay dialed in, they're going to watch it, and if they watch a majority of that video, that's gonna trigger YouTube to want to recommend another one of your videos, or maybe even multiple of your videos. Uh, especially on that suburb, or they may recommend another suburb based off of other people's uh, viewing uh, habits. And so, once they recommend a, another couple of your videos, and that person clicks on a second, or third, or fourth video, now they've moved themselves to middle of funnel. Now they're starting to recognize you, which is 
why we recommend having your face on the thumbnails. As much as that may seem like an ego thing or if you're making the thumbnails, I mean, when you're making that thumbnail, your face looks huge on there. If you want it to take up what we recommend as a majority of, of one third of that thumbnail, you're going to sit there and go, man, my face is big, but you gotta think about it being on some of the smallest devices. So from there, uh, once they've clicked on a second, third, fourth video, they've moved themselves to middle of funnel. They're starting to, now they are starting to build a relationship with you because they're starting to view more content. And this is where the relationship piece comes in. And so that's, that's where they go through that middle of funnel and they'll live there a majority of the time until they actually decide to reach out to you. Once they reach out to you and they place a phone call to you or a text message or an email or a Zoom call, they've moved themselves to bottom of a funnel and they've made the decision at that point that they wanna work with you. And so they've, they've gone through that whole entire sales process. YouTube has helped them, but their search results got them there in the first place and it's a combination, but no ads were needed. Nobody feels pressured into doing anything. They make the decision on their own. And so that's why for us, you know, our average contact to under contract is 47 days. That's how quickly these people get under contract because whenever they call us, you know, they're, they're in the buying process. They're ready to make a move. They're in the decision-making process. We actually just had a five-star review on our profile um, last week, and that's what the person wrote on there. They said, we watched uh, your channel for a year before we reached out. And once they reached out, it took about 45 days um, to get them under contract again because they were consuming that content over that time. And once they find your videos as the most helpful and they could watch other people's videos as well. And again, it does come down to personality on top of that. You know, YouTube tells us the top 15 channels that our audience watches. 13 of the top 15 of our channels are other Dallas real estate agents. Uh, and their real estate channels. Some of them are Texas real estate agents or real estate channels. So we know that uh, people are watching our, what you would say, direct competition on YouTube. Now, ultimately, you know, you are your own person and that's what people are going to relate to. You know, like attracts like. Uh, and so therefore people are going to call the people that they want to work with. It's the same concept behind uh, real estate shows, uh, being that all of you are likely real estate agents, you probably watch, if you watch TV, I know uh, none of you really watch TV, but if you did, you watch all the real estate shows, you know, Fixer Upper, Fixer Flop, Million Dollar Listing, and you may consume all those shows, but if you had to choose one of those agents to work with, you could only choose one, and you would choose one probably that you relate to the most, that you like their personality the most, that you would feel like you would have fun hanging out with them. That's the same thing on YouTube. That's why we're not worried about other channels coming or going or popping up because what's gonna happen is people will click around and if there's three different agents or five or even 10 different agents making videos about Frisco and you're thinking about moving to Frisco, you're probably gonna watch all those videos, but ultimately you're not gonna resonate or your client's not gonna resonate with all, they're actually, they're only going to choose one agent. That's what it's going to come down to. And we don't have, I think in this whole time frame of everything that we've generated, we've only had uh, less than five people. So less than five people that have said, I'm 
deciding between you and another agent. And I'm pretty sure we locked up three of those still. <laughs> the other two, we just, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, most of the time, again, when people call us, they've made the decision that they want to work with us, even though they may have viewed all those other channels. So ultimately, what that, uh, again, comes down to is that we believe that with long-form content, with uh, YouTube, you're going to generate more quality leads than quantity leads. And now the other, the, the good thing about paying for lead sources is that that should be controllable. You should understand a conversion process as well. You should understand that, hey, if I spend $10 a day or $20 a day or $30 a day, that's going to get me this number of leads. Well, you need to understand your conversion as well because uh, what we like to say is that you should never have a marketing budget. You should have a testing budget. So if you are going to pay for ads, you should only have a testing budget to test to see what your conversion rates should be and is it worth it. Now, if it takes you $10,000 worth of leads to sell a $300,000 home for a $9,000 commission, you know, then you might want to you might want you might want to consider your options on another lead source, but if you spend $3,000 and you close a you know, a $9,000 commission, well, shoot, you should want to spend $3,000 all day long because if you can net six, then you rinse and repeat. And the thing is, is that uh, that one home is really what you want to look at is the conversion. I, I closed one home by, by selling 3000 or spending $3,000 because those commissions could vary. You may close a four or $500,000 home. You close a $500,000 home and you get 15 well, then, of course, your return is much greater, but you want to look at homes to uh, cost ratio because um, commissions are going to kind of jump up and down, so that's a little bit harder to gauge. But if I can close one home for every $2,000 I spend, it's just a matter of cranking that up, and you should spend as much as you possibly can, again, because once that becomes the case, you shouldn't have a marketing budget on that. You tested to find out it takes you one home with every $2,000 of ad spend to close, and, and that's how you scale that. Now, organically, you know, through YouTube, I think that comes down to publishing uh, videos as far as controlling the lead flow. So if you start to get too many leads, uh, if you, let's say you're a solo agent, you don't really have ambitions to expand to a team or anything like that, then then you know, uh, you could back off of content. If you back off of content, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get less leads, but it could get to a point where it may take a month or two or three for that to die off a little bit. You could also have videos that take off and return you way more views than, um, than you were expecting. And this is actually something that happened to us at the beginning of the year, actually the end of 2022 or end of 2021, moving into 2022 is the first time that we had you know, many viral videos take off. Uh, we One of the videos we published on Thanksgiving Day, and then almost every video we published for the next two months after that started just take off right out of the gate. And uh, therefore, we backed off of content because we hadn't seen our channel do that before. So we had to evaluate and figure out, okay, what's going on? Did we do something different? What's the content that we released? You know, we had to, you know, analyze the different aspects of that to truly, uh, to really try to understand what was happening. But if the views were there and we only, were only publishing one video a week at that point, well, you know, did it equate to phone calls. Now we got a lot of phone calls in the first quarter of 2022. So now, now, but now the exact opposite has happened. So that's what I'm saying with organic. It is uh, interesting and I think is, uh, we're still figuring out how do we control that accordingly. But I know that 
Last month, again, we had our most views ever, but in the last two weeks, we've been uh, down in leads. Now, what's happening here in Texas? Everybody's going back to school. It's end of summer. There's a little bit of chaos going on in the family life, so that's what we expect. But again, we've also seen our biggest uptick in clients that we've worked with six to 12 months ago that said they are going to wait, come back out and say, okay, now's the time to buy. So. The people that we see right now uh, may be holding off. Now, last quarter or last fourth quarter, we had a very strong September, October, November, December. Uh, even during the holidays, actually, November was our biggest month last year. So if that's any indication of what's going to happen this year, then we could be in store for uh, you know, a great fourth quarter. And that's what we expect. Once people get settled back in from TV, or I mean, from TV, from uh, school, uh, yeah, I don't know, and they start watching TV again, right? That's it. When they start watching TV, uh, watching our videos, because actually a majority of our traffic comes from TV, and so therefore we know that they're sitting down, taking time to research and, and, and you know, getting ready to make a move again. But the same thing with Facebook and, uh, I mean, Facebook, but with Instagram and TikTok. I know some agents right now that, that seem to be having success on TikTok ads. But again, TikTok is a top of funnel platform. You know, as far as I know, nobody's going to TikTok saying, hey, honey, it's time to buy a house. Let's go see if we can find the best dancing real estate agent now. They may find you on TikTok or come across your dancing real estate video and they can like you, but they're probably not in the market at that time. Again, they're top of funnel. They're, uh, this is interrupting what they're looking for on TikTok. Um, and so therefore they're going to, they could like your content, follow you and say, okay, this, this person's pretty funny, or I like this person's content, or they're providing good education or information. So they could do that, but it could be six, 12, 18, 24 months before they before they come into the market. Now, you can target them um, you know, through TikTok and, and start to run some ads to them that way. And I know uh, one or two agents that are having some success with that. Other than that, I haven't really had many discussions with agents that are doing or running TikTok ads very well. So that could be, uh, that is, I wanna say could be that, I think that is a, uh, a good opportunity right now to do that. So uh, let's see here. And uh, I'm just gonna uh, bring in, I'm gonna bring in Chrissy. We got her uh, hanging out backstage and see what, uh, what else is coming. What did I miss on there as far as uh, quality versus quantity of leads? Cause I know you, uh, when we first met, I mean, you've run Facebook ads, you've, you've, uh, you've got that marketing background as well. You've, and now, now that you see what we generate through YouTube, can you kind of compare what you've seen in your, your previous marketing life versus your new marketing life? Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, it's just like you said, I mean, I've done, I've done pretty much every ad you can think of. I've done Facebook ads. My, my background, when I first started my career, I was in Google ads. And so, I mean, and it was literally, you know, that's, you know, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, it was basically throwing out as much as you could and just seeing what landed basically, you know, and Facebook ads were in their baby stages. Um, Facebook ads, I mean, they were pretty much non-existent. We were really just kind of experimenting with a lot of different types of ads, image ads, you know, messing around with that. And I honestly, the clients that got, that got leads, any leads during the month, we'd be spending hundreds and even thousands of dollars a month with certain clients. And just getting a couple leads a month was a huge win for them. And I just don't see that type of low conversion with, with YouTube. With YouTube, it's just very unusual for us to not be getting calls each day, you know, versus, you know, I would have a monthly or a bi-monthly call with my clients back with when I was doing Google 
ads specifically and it, it would basically be like did you get one lead this month and they'd be excited if they got one you know so i just think that overall overall you're seeing a big difference with youtube because a lot of the stuff that would come in for my clients was a, they get a lot of stuff they get a lot of inquiries but it was a lot of spam it was a lot of people who were looking for something that was completely different than what they were offering you know, and back then it was really more receiving emails and, you know, even e-commerce was a little bit, a little bit limited with a lot of the people I was working with. But, you know, with YouTube, it's just, it's very unusual for us to not be getting calls each week and to not be getting inquiries in different ways. I mean, we have so many different ways for people to get in contact with us from YouTube and we don't even have a, a, a really, you know, pushy way to get people to give their information. I think probably the most in your face way that we have is a survey and it's completely voluntary, you know? So the fact that we have such high conversion on such a low push type of ad is really incredible. And so YouTube has just kind of blown every other type of ad I've ever done out of the water. Yeah. All right. Well, we see we see a few of you out there. Uh, there's a few, so go ahead and drop some questions or comments. You can in the uh, in the chat box, or uh, we have the link in the Facebook group. Correct. So yep. uh, the link is in the Facebook group, and if you're one of our Facebook members, then you can jump on that link if you want to come on the live stream. We've had some. Uh, some pretty active conversations uh, previously already, but maybe uh, now that we got the camera working and everything's, uh, you know, everything's running top notch, uh, everyone's taking taking a day off, or maybe they're all getting their kids in school, right? You, didn't you just start back school this week as well? Yes, Monday was our first day back. I've been seeing lots of people on Facebook with their kids getting back into school too. So yeah. So, uh, yeah, something else is that, uh, so we talk about conversion rates and that's, uh, I don't know if I mentioned that earlier, but our conversion rate right now, I just ran it again for since the last 18 months, we are still running consistently at a 13% conversion rate and, and we still are running at a 47 day contact under contract. Uh, just reran all the numbers cause we got some, a couple of opportunities coming up here where I'm going to be able to throw out some stats. And so I wanted to make sure all that was good to go and still the case. And it is so 13% conversion compared to even at 3%, you could say on Facebook, that's pretty significant. You have to talk to a lot less people, but then you, you take into account that this is inbound versus outbound. I mean, everybody that reaches out to us is, is coming to us. You know, they're initiating the call, they're initiating the text or the email or the Zoom call. And that also uh, puts them in a position of confidence. It puts us uh, in a position to where uh, we again, like you said, we don't have to. We don't have to really sell them on us. We just confirm, I believe, who we are. You know, and was, this is where we talk about. You know, you definitely have to be uh, who you are on camera because we will meet our audience. You don't want to be a character on YouTube and then uh, be somebody completely different. Um, but the thing is, is that uh, with 13% conversion, that means the people that are coming in are highly qualified, motivated, and then also we're having less conversations to get more deals. And that ultimately is the best way to, <laughs> to do business, right? You, you want to convert higher so that you are, uh, you know, getting a lot more out of your, out of your efforts there and, um, uh, or with less effort really is what we should say. So that's the opportunity there. So um, what else have you seen as far as um, any, uh, so Google ads. So that's the other thing too. You know, we started to work on an experiment with some LSA ads, but those are, are even, uh, those are even down right now as well, huh? Oh, 
for sure. Well, and the LFA ads, I mean, they just, I mean, it's just that user experience. Well, going back to when I was first in marketing, actually, we did a really big campaign for IGN for people who know gaming. We were, we were the sole uh, marketers for IGN and our percentages on that, we were excited when we hit a 1% uh, conversion rate on our ads there. That was a huge deal. Our deal, uh, our goal was to get between one and 3% on everything that we did. And so, um, you know, that's, and, and things have changed, you know, things are probably a little bit more efficient now because I kind of got out of Google ads a few years ago because it was just not converting well for my clients. And I just didn't really think it was a good use of money and funds. And so I really started kind of pursuing a lot more of the organic types of leads and, and lead generation. But, you know, I mean, it still kind of stands true. I mean, you see with Facebook, it's usually around the 3% mark too. So. I mean, in that regard, it really hasn't changed that much. But yeah, I mean, just overall, I mean, even the LSA ads that we run, we'll occasionally get somebody who actually comes in um, and and converts from that. But I mean, it's just a lot harder. Uh, I mean, for me, be, I've been on the phone before. I don't do the phone calls anymore. But when I would get on the phone with these people, you know, they just were very hesitant to give personal information. It was, you know, it was more of, I mean, by the end of the conversation, I felt like they kind of warmed up to me. Um, but I mean, overall, it was not the same as talking to somebody from you, from YouTube. People called me and they were like, tell, I mean, Levi said this a bunch when people call him, but people would be telling me about their kids. I mean, I had somebody who was telling me all about their, like all the things about their religion that they wanted to be like close to certain areas. I mean, they just like opened the envelope and told me everything. And I'd never met these people. I mean, they were just excited to talk to me. So I feel like it's just an attitude difference and just the ability to kind of close somebody. It's a lot faster and it just doesn't feel like I have to be salesy when I talk to people. And I know that, you know, our team members feel the same way. It's just a lot easier to talk to somebody who already feels like they know you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's the, and and we talk about uh, you think about it if if I was a used car salesman, which uh, by the way, nothing against used car salespeople, but they have they they have that stereotypical reputation of selling people something that they don't want. So what uh, typically when people oh and by the way, let me get to uh, living in Annapolis, Maryland. Uh, can you explain how we can chat instead of typing a question? Are you in our Facebook group? Uh, type yes if you're in our Facebook group. And if you are, then the link should be in the Facebook group. And you can just click on that, and it should bring you in. Yeah, and, it should be at the top of the group. I just posted it for people who are in our Facebook group. So, um, and, uh, oh, yeah, so car salesman, <laughs> that's the thing. The funny thing is is that, you know, um, people are apprehensive whenever they do need a, a used car or even a new car. I mean, I think even when people have want a new car. Now, the thing is is that I think that goes back to intention versus interruption. Like when somebody has intention and they want a new car, a lot of times people are already sold on the fact that they want that new car. They've already been looking at it, researching it online, maybe uh, saw it with a friend or out and about. And so when they go in, that's usually pretty easy. But if you go to buy the used car, you're always concerned and, and going in there because you don't know who you're going to meet, but you assume they're going to be pushy and they're going to try to sell you the, the car that they want to sell the most or get the most profit off of. And it's just that's where that stereotypical reputation comes from. But 
if there is a think about this, if I was a used car salesman, I would definitely have a YouTube channel and I would be explaining things, not just about the cars on my lot, but cars in general. And, and if you walk people through, you know, this or that, or, Hey, we just got this car in, let me show you a couple of things. This is why it's a good deal. Or this is why we have it priced, uh, you know, the way we have it priced, you know, and now that, well, you could actually attract a national audience because the fact of, uh, you think about even, uh, during the last two years, a lot of people bought online. I actually bought uh, one of my current cars over the internet, never even saw it, but it was the model and everything that I was looking for. Bought it from a dealership in California and they shipped it to me. It was a, and it was a used car. So um, that, and it was the very, it was the specific one that I was looking for. So just from my research, I was already sold on that. But, uh, and so you could, if I, if I was in that position, I would have a YouTube channel explaining, uh, the good, the bad, the ugly about the cars on my lot and what's going on. And then, uh, you know, things like that. And, and if you were in that area and wanted to physically go into that dealership, you'd probably feel a lot more comfortable if you watch this person's videos. If you watch 10, 20, or 30 of their videos, you'd probably feel like, hey, I know Joey, you know, Joey's a cool guy. I'm gonna go down there and see Joey. And then then it's the old saying by Ryan Serhant, you know, uh, I ha people hate being sold, but love shopping with friends. And so whenever they go into that dealership, they feel like they're shopping with a friend instead of the fact that they're going to get sold something. Same thing with us, you know, typically, uh, you know, how do you, how do you differentiate, uh, real estate agents, especially when everybody seems to know eight to 10 of them and half of them are your family members. <laughs> so if that's the case. Then, then, uh, you know, it's like, how do you, how do you make that move? And, and actually, uh, y'all experienced this recently, right? Chrissy, that, that, uh, your husband was chosen, uh, over somebody else just for the fact that he had a YouTube channel. Yep. Yeah, they looked at like four or five different agents and they finally ended up, you know, searching on YouTube and they were just excited because they wanted to meet the person before they actually talked to somebody um, because they were looking from out of state, didn't want to waste time working with somebody that they needed, that they didn't want to work with and nobody else had enough information. So when they went and they looked on YouTube, he popped up and he popped up with five videos versus they had one video. And so and he ended up uh, winning out that, that race with somebody, but, you know, it was against somebody else who had been on YouTube longer didn't have as much content as you did yep so okay living in annapolis if you're in our facebook group then you should be able to click on the link in the facebook group it should be posted up there and we'll give you a few minutes uh otherwise if uh if we don't have any other questions then then we can uh, call it a day because i've definitely got plenty to do i'm sure chrissy does as well so, yes, uh, always. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I definitely would have, I mean, no matter which business I was in right now, I would have a YouTube channel if I have that opportunity to attract clients from, from anywhere and you'd be surprised. Now, the thing is, is if you, uh, if licenses are involved, that does depend on a state by state basis. I know in my previous business in financial services, Unlike real estate, see the cool thing about real estate is that we can be licensed in our primary state and help people all over the country and especially with our brokerage all over the world and we can collect a referral fee. I don't need to be licensed everywhere. That's a cool thing. Now, when I was in financial services, I had to be licensed in every single individual state and I think I held six uh, six licenses at the time. And they range anywhere from $50 a year to $350 a year, depending on the state. Um, some were even up to 500, but I had six different ones. And I think, 
uh, the most expensive one I had was, yeah, probably around $350 to $400. I had one as low as $50 as far as a maintenance. But you add that up. You think about that, doing that for all 50 states. And now what would happen is I would usually wait. And whenever I got content, and that was just from referrals. I didn't have a YouTube channel at that time. So that was just from referrals. If I got an out-of-state referral, then... You know, I would be like, well, just give me a minute. Let me uh, let me get my license there real quick. And then I would be able to help them. And that was a hassle in itself. Now, I didn't have to take the state exam. There is uh, there is opportunity to where you just have to pay the fees and, and uh, do a quick, you know, some quick paperwork. So I didn't have to actually take an exam for every single state, but I did need to get licensed. But as long as you're licensed in, you know, your primary state, then it was just some some paperwork, some red tape, and of course, money to get that license. But ultimately, uh, there's a couple of states where I got licensed to help people. And then all of a sudden, you know, we ended up not even moving forward or or working together. And so then I ended up just having, you know, paying for licenses in states that, that, uh, weren't really necessary. So that was, you know, that's the downside of that. But if I had an opportunity to sell my product or service or to get my brand out there, um, then I would definitely be on YouTube now. You know, the thing is, is I see this working in so many ways for so many different businesses. There's just huge opportunity. Actually, whenever I was in Lake Tahoe this last weekend, got the opportunity to speak at that mastermind event. One of the guys there was, now, of course, it was a majority of real estate agents, but there was a guy there that that builds, uh, that rehabs cars. Not only does he rehab cars, he restores classic cars. And, and so he knows how to flip cars and how to uh, restore cars and what he, you know, he had a couple, two different ideas, but he was like, man, could this work for my business? I was like, absolutely. We ended up talking for about 40 minutes. And the way I saw it, he had two different channels that he could do. And I, I told him, I think, uh, that's a, it's a great way to generate business. I mean, you think about any restoration business, those are popular channels. I mean, any before and after, I mean, you could, uh, What's that show on HGTV? It's like a flea market flip or something like that. I mean, people just buy random stuff and renovate it. I mean, you could make a YouTube channel out of yourself. You could go to flea markets. You could buy stuff that you find all around. And if you document that, restore it, and put it on YouTube, I mean, this is the best opportunity, I believe, for you to make money with your hobby. I mean, you know, uh, 15 years ago before YouTube existed, you know, quilting, uh, probably didn't pay a lot. Right. Uh, and so, but now there's quilting channels with millions of subscribers, uh, shoe shine, the shoe shine guy. I always tell that shoe shine story, yeah. which, uh, I, I used to, I used to feel bad for the shoe shine guy. Cause I thought, man, every time I go to the airport, they're usually standing around. I mean, sometimes they have some customers, but, and I've gotten my shoe shine there a few times and it's $10, you know, give them a $5 tip, but still I think, man, $15, how many shoes you got to shine through the day to really make a decent living? But that's whenever I'm looking at it on the surface level versus uh, when I go into YouTube and I found a shoe shine channel with a million and a half subscribers. And all they did is they had a fixed camera above their, their shoe shine stand and they got every kind of different shoe you could imagine on there every day. I mean, that's what he, and he's, you think about it. Even doing 10 shoes a day, he's got 10 different pieces of content, 10 different videos. I mean, you can, you could crank out a lot. He had sponsorships and brand deals and, and all kinds of things uh, for that channel. So that's just, the, that's just the place. That's just his place of documentation. You could see it. It's his workshop almost. Uh, and so this person could absolutely love shining shoes. And, and, and uh, 
I would imagine they probably even take it a step higher uh, because they are documented. So they probably put that extra effort into that because they know so many other people are going to see that. Because if somebody shines my shoes and it's not perfect, I'm going to be like, okay, cool. You know, no big deal. Go on my way. It's still better than nothing. But, you know, that person that's documenting that, posting that on a video, uh, you know, and on a channel, they're, they're going to be on top of their game every single time. So I think that's kind of a cool thing. All right. See, all we got to do is tell people we're going to, we're going to get off the, uh, we're going to, we're, we're going to, all right, we're, it's time to, time to wrap it up. And then, uh, let's see. So let's go with, um, Nicole, what you say when it comes to average view time, is there tips you guys give to get that up? I've posted three videos so far and I feel like the average view time is bad. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's several things you can do. Um, you, you can, I mean, we talk about this in the editing, you can, you know, jump cut, you can pattern interrupt, you can, uh, those are really kind of the two main things is if you watch a TV show this day and age, and I, I watched, uh, this real estate show the other day specifically for this reason, I wanted to see how many times they cut angles. And if you haven't noticed this, you'll, you'll notice it now go to probably any show on Netflix, maybe, um, turn it on or, or go to any real estate show and turn it on and see how many times there's a camera angle change. On this real estate show I watched, I counted every two seconds, literally every two seconds there was an angle change. Now, they're professionally produced TV shows, so they've got six different cameras, so they could literally you know, just cut, cut, cut. And so somebody would be talking, they would cut to somebody else's expression. You know, they would cut back to that person from a different angle. Then they'd cut to somebody else's expression. Then they would cut back to that person from a third different. I mean, it's, it's pretty interesting whenever you're looking for these things, what you will notice. And so I was sitting there going, my, I mean, every two seconds now, could that be overkill on a, on a real estate video or neighborhood vlog? Well, I don't know. You look at Roger Wakefield on the plumber, and you, again, plumbing, uh, who would think nothing against plumbers, but who would think plumbing would be an interesting, uh, you know, concept that, that, that Roger has well over 400,000 subscribers on YouTube. Uh, and, and, but he is in a, an amazing business owner and YouTube creator. I've had the, the pleasure to t actually, we've had him on our, on our podcast and I've met him at bid summit. And so we've had a few, uh, several conversations. Plus he lives in Dallas. But you watch his channel, and for a plumbing channel, when he does his office videos, he has, I believe, four different cameras in his office. And he cuts. He, he, he cuts from straight on. He cuts from the left. He cuts from the right. And he has, I think, an overhead camera as well. And then he, and then he has B-roll. So B-roll, pattern interrupts, you know, uh, camera angle changes, jump cuts. You know, on our videos, uh, we edit out my swallows. That whole second of... Mm. Mm. You know, I mean, that's natural. If you've never noticed anybody doing that now, I'm sorry, but you will notice that now. I mean, when people talk, you naturally have to swallow your saliva. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a natural pause. Now, the thing is, is when we're in conversation, it's great. But if, if you're a long, how, how do I say this correctly? <laughs> a long swallow. Uh, you know, you just, that's, that's probably something you might want to uh, cut out. But that's the thing is that you'll notice it if you ever watch somebody's video and there's a slight cut to where it seems as if they never take a breath or uh, they have just a slight face change or a slight change, that is even a jump cut. That's enough of a cut right there to, to do that. So the other aspect is B-roll. B-roll is kind of the easiest thing. You can pop up stock footage, stock photos, 
something else. When I'm in the neighborhood, you'll notice, well, if I'm holding a camera, there's, there's quite a bit of movement. That's a camera angle change. So if I shift like this, or I switch hands, so not only does my arm get tired of holding out you know, a phone, uh, you know, a little uh, selfie stick, but then I just switch it. If I switch it, I've got a completely different angle. I can show this side of the neighborhood. I can show this side of the neighborhood. I can, you know, show straight behind me. I can even come up and kind of show, uh, I mean, different angles. Uh, that's one way that I do it. So neighborhood videos, I feel like we have a lot of natural jump cuts and natural camera angles. And so I don't need it. But now, uh, actually, Chrissy knows this. I just turned in. I just did an office video and I set up a a cell phone. So not only not only was there uh, the straight on camera, but I set up a cell phone horizontally next to me on the tripod. So we had a side view angle, but we could easily fix up, you know, a camera on the side or something like that. So even when you're doing an office video, it could cut back and forth between two different angles because that's what I was thinking. I was thinking of Roger actually. And so, and I also think it's a different look it, it in that wide angle camera, you can see uh, my equipment, you can see the background, whereas to my front camera, the background's blurred and, and, uh, but, in the studio camera, but on my cell phone, it's just straight clear. So, oh, now we just did a camera change. Thank you, Alex. So, so now we just did a, a camera angle change. So now you can see everything. First of all, you can, this is clear as to where on the other one is a little bit blurry, but now you can see over here, look, we even have ourselves up on the, on the TV there. Um, but you can see a bookshelf. You can see a different angle. Now you can do a little close up there. All right, now we're getting really fancy. So if we want to even change this up on the live stream, then we have these, uh, you know, these opportunities to do that here to where we can shift from different angles because we're running on different cameras and that's set up too. If we want to have a guest in studio, we could do that. So there's all these different ways that you can just kind of break up the video so that you're not Hello, welcome to the neighborhood. Uh, today, we're, I'm gonna take you around, show you a few homes. I mean, so that's the other thing. Uh, step up your energy a little bit. They, uh, who said this? But somebody said you need to be, you need to be, is it two or three times your energy than you naturally are? Because uh, the camera, not only does it add 10 pounds, it also reduces energy. <laughs> so uh, exactly what you don't want. The camera adds 10 pounds and reduces your energy by 50%. So you need to have twice the amount of energy that you have and think about that. So if you are not as motivated or you're uncomfortable talking to the, trust me, that's going to come through and it's probably going to come through magnified. So, you know, this is where you've got to uh, kick it up a little bit, kind of like when you do with a client, you know, whenever you're right before you meet that client, everything in your day has gone completely wrong. And then you go, you, you, you pull up and you meet the client in the house and you're like, Hey, how's it going? Oh yeah. It's been a great day. I mean, oh, couldn't that beautiful weather. Oh, I love it. You know, even though your house just burned down, uh, you know, the, the kids just got put in jail. I mean, everything. And you're just like, Oh yeah. Oh, beautiful, beautiful day. So that's the way you need to be on camera. Uh, I mean, literally when you hit record, it's funny if you see any of my, uh, well, you, you won't ever see that, but anytime I sit down, it's kind of like, okay. <clears throat> and then I go, <laughs> you know, and hit that record. I smile as big as possible because I got to remind myself, okay, I'm about to be on camera. Somebody's about to watch this. Somebody's going to, you know, is looking for the information. 
And you just come off better if you smile in your videos as well. So if you're just kind of like, yeah, 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 you know, well, on top of that, you'll attract those people, right? <laughs> so so uh, work on uh, uh, doing that. So I, hopefully that helps, Nicole. That kind of helps you understand a little bit about there's, there's a lot of different things you can do, but just think about how you can change that up and switch it up. Well, and also just kind of get to the point a little bit sooner too. Like some people, they spend like 10 minutes in their intro before they roll like their musical intro, like what we usually recommend to people. And they'll sit there and they'll talk about, you know, stuff that maybe isn't the most exciting thing at the very beginning of the video. And then they lose people, you know, a minute and a half in. And so sometimes when we see the, the view duration in a low, and then we also see a drop off happening at a certain place, we like to look and see, well, what were you actually saying at that point, you know? And yeah. so that's one other thing too. Levi's really good at just like within the first two to three minutes, he's ready to cut into musical intro and then he's ready to cut into, you know, his hook part and all of that stuff. So I think it's just really important to kind of get to the point, especially in your early videos. I feel like we kind of experimented with kind of having longer introduction parts where before we roll the intro piece, uh, the intro musical intro, um, where you've talked about stuff. And I think we kind of retain those people still, but in your early videos, when you're still kind of establishing your brand and establishing your audience, it's important to kind of just get to the point too. So that's where I see a lot of people kind of go wrong is that they do these really long intro pieces and then they lose people before they even get to the meat of the video. Yeah. Good points. Hey, Paul, uh, Paul and Kyle, I see you there. Uh, if you can bump on your camera and let me know you're there. And uh, all right, let's see Paul there. Let me answer this question, Paul, and I'll pull you up here next. So once start, once you start making videos, how long on average does it take to put a buyer under contract? I mean, I, I just, I believe what I've seen is around 90 days. And that's if you're posting, really, you should be three videos a week, but I've seen it done with two, but we've also helped people that have put a deal under contract within three weeks. You know, that's, that's the fastest I've seen it is uh, three weeks and getting somebody under contract. So I think it just varies in your market, but ultimately my recommendation is always produce more content as fast as possible in the beginning. I'm not saying do videos every day, but you know, three videos a week, I believe is what's going to kickstart your channel and get you off to the right, um, you know, on the right pace. And so, uh, and it's different, you never know. Uh, that channel that got the deal under contract, uh, that's a crew we work with, uh, living in Houston crew and, and they only had two videos when they got the first call. So two videos out and got the first call within six days. So I'm going to bring up Paul in here. Uh, Paul's at the coffee bar, which looks, uh, which looks lovely. I, I, I like an afternoon coffee. I do iced Americano it was, myself. That was my wife's project that <laughs> I got to do. Oh, okay. Awesome. Well, what's up, Paul? Where are you calling from? Uh, Colorado Springs. Okay, cool. Um, I think there was, um, I consume a ton of your content and it is amazing. Thank you. Um, part of Brad Vandewall's group and that's a little bit of how I've uh, come into finding you and um, this is the direction I want to take my business. Okay. Uh, been around it for 2000, 2005 and, but this is, man, I've worked leads and all that crap and I'm just tired of it and I don't mind the video at all. Yeah. So anyway, to the point, um, uh, I think somewhere along the line, you mentioned Quora and perhaps another resource or two out there that you did um, when you mentioned Quora about like um, uh, researching, you know, neighborhoods, subdivisions, things that are talked about, questions to answer, 
as a function of content creation. Can you expand on that? Oh, uh, Cora, I don't know. I don't remember that. I mean, I, you can, uh, there's a website called Ask the Public that you could look was, at. Yeah, Ask the, the one. Okay, yeah. there you go. Um, Ask the public. You could also go on Reddit. I mean, Reddit, there's always like, now be careful on Reddit, <laughs> but you can get caught up in some uh, mess there. But you can uh, easily, e you can look at, uh, if you use the word visit and your your town, I don't know, um, I don't know about, at least in Texas, there's a lot of city and suburb websites that you just type in like visit Frisco or visit Plano. And that's that's kind of, the, the normal thing to get that uh, company website. And it's usually like .org or something like that, but that's something if you want to uh, research that city. But otherwise, I would just Google that city and you'll probably find the, the city or the county uh, sanctioned website, whatever it is you want to call that. You, that usually has a lot of good facts and, and stats on it. You could go to census.gov. Um, census that's, that's if you want the, the hard facts. That's usually the most accurate. Niche.com is another one uh, that I know of. And, and I mean, there's, there's several others, but you can go on some rabbit holes. But ultimately, I think if you just Google your city, you're going to see a good list of, of information. I mean, you could even go on Wikipedia and find a few stories there. Just be mindful uh, of what you read on Wikipedia, of course, right? Because uh, that can always... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you want hard facts. I mean, census.gov is going to give you all the Census Bureau, you know, the government facts. But again, they're usually... They could be one to two years behind, but I mean, that's good. I mean, I, I don't think anybody really, really cares if the population is 240, but it's actually 250,000 and you say 240. I mean, I, I've been hit a couple of times on some of my stats, but at, at the same time, I'm kind of like, well, you know, you get the general idea. And uh, it's not, uh, typically people are not moving to places for the exact stats. They want to know the general stuff. But now, even with school districts, I mean, if you look at school ratings and, and that sort of thing online, it really comes down to the rating systems and then they have it all broken down to, you know, all these different factors. And so it's the same thing. I always tell people, look, you got to look at what's most important for you uh, because they could rate it high on this this metric and rate it low on this metric. And if you don't care about that low rated metric and that brings it down to a seven versus an eight, I mean, really, is that a big deal? Um, you know, and at the same time, it's, uh, you know, so all those things just kind of to look at. But I think that should, those are some good places to research. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I just want to, if I heard you right and other people that I've followed, mostly it sounds like uh, the more I can go about answering questions instead of just coming up with random content that possibly that would be a little more sticky on on YouTube or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, if you find what people are searching for, I mean, I, I believe that's the quickest way to... to get clients, right? Because if there's if they're searching for that information, you can find it by search volume as well, which is why we use TubeBuddy. And, you know, you can just find out. And, and if you, you write that stuff down, you actually search those different questions and, and areas and suburbs, then it's going to give you a good idea. And I would start with the most searched ones because that gives you more opportunity to get found sooner rather than later. Do you like AI platforms of any kind to help generate... Uh either the, if you will, not some, well, I'll just I'll call it a script, but that's not really the direction I'm looking for. Again, I'm looking for those things that tend to just bring some of that stuff to the surface according, you know, to algorithmic views. 
uh, AI as far as uh, for what people are searching for? Yeah, because another thing I'd like to, to, to take this, you know, to the next level with would be perhaps, you know, on, on my website, create a, a blog that would uh, perhaps extrapolate, you know, either the, um, uh, oh, what's the word, the, the transcript mm. and then, you know, edit it uh, in an AI editor or something like that to really kind of boost that type of a thing, you know, yet not necessarily cross-pollinate, but have those kinds of resources out there, if you will. Hopefully that makes sense. Uh, I think, I mean, yeah, I mean, we operate a, a blog site and I think what, um, you know, but I don't know, I, 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 as much as, as much as advanced AI can be right now too, we, st we still edit things manually just because we, you know, I don't know, sometimes the AI just doesn't catch things. And so therefore we feel like it's better on a, if we're going to have copy or written text, it's better to be edited by a person on there. But if we can, we can transcribe and we don't typically transcribe our videos to convert them into blogs. We write a separate blog post. And, and so we have somebody that does that because I think blogs are just as important, you know, as, as the video. And, but we don't want to direct, because you think about it, if it's transcribed in YouTube, I mean, it's transcribed in YouTube. And so that becomes kind of its own thing. So if we can create another piece of content, which a blog is a piece of content and, wow. and keyword rich that thing as well, in addition to that, to us, that's giving us two pieces of content versus the same piece of content on two different places. That sounds good. Yeah, no, because I really like your uh, your platform psychology as you reference it. Uh, that was that was a huge nugget when I first heard you talk about it, and I've heard you talk many times since then. But um, not not trying to push people down different directions and stuff like yeah. that. Because yeah, when I'm when I'm on YouTube, I'm on YouTube. I'm not not anywhere else, nor do I care to go somewhere else necessarily. Right. Unless I'm really in a research mode, going to look for something specific. Yeah. So awesome. Thanks for your time, sir. All right. You're welcome, Paul. Thanks for joining us and uh, talk soon. Yep. Kyle, I see you down there. Kyle, you got a thumbs up. You good to go. You ready to, ready to rock and roll? Hey, sorry. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. I'm in kind of a loud area. You're actually in the coffee bar. So Paul just had the yeah. coffee bar decorated behind him. You're in the coffee bar. Yeah. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. It's a little noisy, but okay. go ahead. We'll, we'll tolerate it. We'll tolerate it for now. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I was mainly just, I was mainly jumping on. I didn't have the intent to, uh, to, to blast you guys with your drums here, but I've got pretty much everything I need to get my channel set up. Um, I guess some of the some of the main questions I have is like, when you guys first started, you know, there seems to be there seems to be a, uh, for the most part a pretty extensive setup. I mean, what, at what point did you guys decide to just kind of jump in and start making videos? Because I'm sitting here going through and I'm watching your guys' videos and I'm like. Man, I feel like I could just I could just keep going. I could keep learning more. Do I need to just jump in and start doing videos, or or you know should I really take my time and, and uh, absorb as much of this as possible and, and be as prepared as possible before I jump in? What, what are your thoughts on that? So I think I think I heard you correctly. There definitely was a lot of background noise there. I think I I mean I think what you're seeing if you're going through what we've put together for agents. I mean yes, everything is completely professionally done. But that took us 
a, well over a year to get there. So if that if that's answering your question, everything that I've done, and I still shoot my own videos on my iPhone. So I used an iPhone uh, for the first year. I, I mean, I still use my iPhone. I, I use a $20 tripod, and I still have that same tripod I bought a year ago. I still have the same microphone I bought a year ago. So uh, in totality, that was about $150 worth of uh, equipment, you could say. Other than that, I did everything else um, really no cost. I mean, I bought a $20 ring light. I mean, that's in there again. And that was, it. if you know, if you go to my first videos, like in my office, every single one of them is completely different on lighting, on angles, because I would move the, you know, I'd move my iPhone and the ring light over here. I mean, I was like the beauty influencer with my iPhone stuck in the middle of the ring light, you know, felt like I was doing my makeup. I'd set it in front of the window. I'd set it in the corner. I'd set it on this angle and that. So, I mean, all my videos are kind of all over the place as far as consistency. It wasn't until, you know, we got a, a year into this and we was generating, uh, you know, income from the real estate sales that we decided to upgrade and do a couple of things and really kind of upgrade in the office. But even whenever I upgraded my camera in my office, I didn't understand how to really work it uh, because that's something I never really took time to dig into until we ended up hiring a, a videographer. Once we hired the videographer, which his name is Alex, by the way, he, uh, you know, he started showing me how all this stuff worked and then also setting up everything and, and set up the office and our studio and all that. And that's where we, we decided to make that investment at that time. But the reality is, is I could still do absolutely everything I need to do on my iPhone. And I still do actually, we got videos that are coming out this week, uh, videos that came out last week that are, I still do with my iPhone 11, uh, to this day, it's still in my bag. I still use it. I, you know, it's my old phone that I, when I upgraded, I just kept my iPhone 11 as my, as my shooting phone, you know? So I don't think, uh, you don't want to look at where we're at today versus where you're starting. I do know that for a fact, because yes, uh, you know, we, this is a real office. We have a real office. We have a real studio. We, I mean, this is, we, we've taken the time to make that investment. Now, if you aspire to that sort of thing, then, then you want to reinvest your money. I mean, the first year and a half of this, uh, Travis and I paid ourselves the least amount of money possible so that we could invest um, not just in equipment, but people. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, as much as uh, we needed Chrissy to come on full time sooner than really than Alex technically, but we understood that content is king and content is what pays the bills. So we, you know, we brought Alex on full time first. And I mean, Chrissy wasn't too far behind that. And then now, I mean, I have to look at our organization chart now. I mean, I think we've got uh, almost eight, uh, eight full time people now. And that's just, but again, that's because we're investing in the people first uh, instead of like going out and, you know, dropping money on a rental property which a lot of people, I mean, nothing wrong with that, but that's just our mentality for right now is like, instead of dropping money on a rental property, we're like, well, can we take that money and can we hire another VA or another person in house or who can we expand that across to versus, uh, you know, investing in a, in a house, you know, that is going to take us who knows how long to get that investment back. Nothing wrong with it. I love real estate and I think it's a great investment, but for us and our needs, we're trying to expand and grow. So for us, that's people and processes and equipment. So I was thinking, just stick with it, man. I mean, yes, get out there, make videos. 
nobody's going to watch your first videos anyways. So that's the other good thing. <laughs> so it's, don't, uh, it's progress. It's not perfection at all. You know, it's progress, not perfection. I, I still, I mean, look, go look at our live streams. All right. So go look at our live streams over the past three weeks. They were, uh, the first one was, <laughs> I got kicked out of the first live stream. I mean, I, uh, how does that happen? I'm like, I, I, I started this thing and I got kicked out of it and the first live stream and then the second and the third, we still had problems. We still had internet. Now this is our, is this our fourth one? This is our fourth or fifth one. Now we act our fourth one and we just now finally have a, a clear connection, <laughs> all that, you know, and now I just realized I told Alex, you know, when he cuts to that side angle, like cut to that side angle of, of me. So look at that. You see how dark I am? Because I told him, I was like, well, maybe we should put the light in this corner but now, as soon as I, as soon as he cuts to this angle, like I'm completely shadowed out. So now I know, okay, we don't want the light in that corner now anymore. If we're going to, oh, he likes it. So he likes it from an artistic standpoint, but I'm thinking, okay, well, nobody can see me. So there, so what he's saying is he'd rather people see me in the dark than in light is what he's saying. So that's, that's what I'm picking up from that. But, you know, ultimately it, it, this is a constant progress, not perfection types of thing. I mean, how, some people might embarrass by it. I thought it was funny. I, I mean, I'll tell you after the first live stream, it wasn't, I wasn't happy with our building because that's whenever we found out in our office that our ethernet jacks were not working. So, you know, so I was like, how are we paying rent? And we have all this stuff in our, and our ethernet jacks. But we found that out like two minutes before we started the live stream, which is why we had a bad connection. And I got kicked out and, you know, so it's one of those things, but we still, which is also why I have Chrissy here all the time for backup. <laughs> she's, she's my backup. I mean, I do Zoom calls. So the thing is, is that, uh, you know, even starting on the live thing, I mean, when you go live like this, there is no do-overs. There is no, okay, let's, uh, let's stop and pause. And so that's why we had to roll with it. And whenever I got people here hanging out, I can't just quit, you know, and say, okay, well, let's cut everything and forget it. I'm like, no, we got to figure it out. And I, I may be blurry. And those first three lives were, you know, terrible on the connection. You go back and watch them. They're blurry and it, it doesn't look good, but Hey, you know, the thing is, is that I think it's a great point of just, you got to get started. Um, this was new for us to kind of work on this live stream. We understood how it worked, but everything did not work properly, you know, for us. So, uh, I wouldn't, just the main thing is, is focus where you're at, um, progress, uh, what you're doing, improve that, you know, you can, if you look at where we're at, just think of that as that's a goal. Okay. If I want to be there in 12 months or 18 months, I think there's, you want to have those goals, but we've done a lot. Uh, we we've done a lot. We've invested a lot, but that, that came, it's snowballed as well. You know, just like whenever I talk about video compounds your time and, and, uh, you know, it can compound your income too. And so all of this is now a cascade of events where we've, we've expanded team members, we've expanded agents, but our lead flow has doubled and tripled and quadrupled as well. And so, you know, being able to give those leads out, we're getting more deals closed and that's bringing in more income. And so we're just able to invest that. And so, you know, that's the other thing too, is look at where you're at in your business, and I think the, the most successful people are the ones that can look at and say, okay, let me pay myself what I need to pay myself, take care of myself and my family. Uh, but every little extra I get, I'm going to reinvest that. I'm going to improve. I'm going to, uh, and I would, I would, I would hire people before equipment, uh, would be my big recommendation. The next 
it, the first, the best thing you can do is hire somebody to help offload some of your stuff. Um, and so I would hire people over equipment because I, the iPhone, hell, you can upgrade your phone right now and get a thir- an iPhone 13 and that thing is killer. I mean, those cameras are killer on there. But again, I'm still using the iPhone 11 and it works just fine. So uh, don't get caught up in the equipment thing or uh, that. I think you, you have everything you need. And so um, hopefully does that answer your question? Yeah, one, one other question. Um, hopefully you can hear me okay. Sorry if you can't. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, if you're in a market where there's already some agents here kind of doing the same thing, what would your recommendation be? Would it be to try to hit some of the suburbs, the popular suburbs um, that aren't that, that aren't being hit at the moment, or would it be to just kind of follow the path that you had mentioned in the videos, where you pick the you know the highest uh, the highest viewed areas first, make the videos that you recommend post them and then and just, just kind of follow that same path because we have some agents here that are already doing it what market are you in seattle oh you're in seattle um yeah i mean I, there's only one kyle in seattle right so again i think it comes down to personality and uh you know so you're going to attract people that want to work with you so I would, I would make content on the areas you want to work. I wouldn't worry about other people there, other videos there. And the thing is, is that YouTube, I, if you, make, you come out with some, some good videos and, and some fresh content. Sometimes YouTube will pick that up. And if you uh, do everything correctly, if you're in our course, then you know, if you optimize correctly, then you, you, it's probably going to give you a good little boost at the beginning too. So just make sure that you're capturing people's attention, being informational, giving them everything they need to to do that, and and sometimes it's uh, you can you can get a lot of good traction in the beginning. And so, I would focus on the areas you want to work. Look again at the most searched areas that you want to work, and start there, and just just produce content. Also, look at the volume. How many videos are they putting out per week, and outwork them. Awesome. Thank you. Next time I jump on, I'll be somewhere quieter. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. All right, man. All right. Good to talk Kyle. Uh, what's up, Denny? Denny? Uh, what's up, fam? Yeah. Let's keep it PG this time, Denny. How about that? Let's do that. Uh, let's see. Life in Tampa, Florida. After our first video, what numbers or days should we wait for before we share our own channel? Never, 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 ever, ever. Uh, I don't know. We just, uh, we've never shared our channel. It's just, uh, that's what Paul was talking about when we talked about platform psychology. That's, that's what I talk about. It's like, uh, I, I think when people are consuming a platform, they're in the mood to consume that platform. So if people are on TikTok, they're on Instagram, they're likely in the mood to consume short form content. So if you share a YouTube video there that's 15 or 20 minutes, uh, first of all, they're probably not researching real estate on those platforms. Uh, and so if they see your video, they could say, oh, that looks interesting. Click on it, jump over. And then they say, oh, it's a 15-minute video. I'm not in the mood to watch a 15-minute video. I want to watch 15 one-minute videos. You know, they'll, they'll spend the same amount of time on the platform, but they just want to consume short-form content and probably are not even thinking about being in the research mode at that time. So I don't know if that's the right audience um, whenever you share it to other platforms. On top of that, if you've ever noticed, 
if you haven't noticed, you'll notice it now. When you click over from another platform, you're never signed in to, to YouTube. And so if you try to like or even subscribe to a video that you've jumped over from platform, it'll say, please sign in. And what do most people do? Even though it's like two clicks, they'll be like, oh, I don't feel like signing in right now. And then they'll jump off and go back to watching silly cat videos on TikTok, right? And if that's the case, you jumped on, somebody jumped on your video for 10, 15, 20 seconds, and then they jumped off. So first of all, YouTube doesn't know who that person is because they weren't signed in and they just know that they watched your video for about 15 seconds and jumped off. And I'm, that's just a theory, but that's what I believe. I, I, I know that's what I've done. It's If I've ever clicked on a YouTube video from another platform, I haven't stayed on. And if I had to sign in, I probably said, oh, you know, let me jump off. Uh, now, being that I'm a lot more familiar, sometimes I'll just go onto my YouTube app and then search for that channel if I want to, you know, try to find it. But um, I don't know. But you can do what you want. Ultimately, it's your channel. Um, you know, our uh, the Houston team, they share their stuff. They're doing really, really well. They got some good closings coming on. So up to you. All right. Well, another thing that it does, though, just to add, um, it skews your analytics two yeah. different ways. Because especially I see this a lot with people. I get asked all the time, like, should I share my thoughts on my Facebook group or on my Facebook page? And on your Facebook page, you have two different sets of people. You have a set of, of people who are actually interested in what you're doing, and then you've got a set of cheerleaders. And so you may have a bunch of cheerleaders who aren't actually interested in buying from you at all. They'll watch your video in support, click like, do, you know, comment below, all of that stuff, and then share it to people. But then what are you doing? You're exposing your video to an audience that isn't completely interested in what you're doing. And so then you're skewing your analytics, and, and YouTube is trying to read who's, who's watching your videos when those people aren't even your target audience. And so it can skew it that way. The other way is like what Levi was saying, you know, your view duration and things like that are going to be cut, you know, into a percentage of what it would be for somebody who's actually searching for that. So it kind of goes back to that intentional searching. You're not giving your video the best chance of being distributed organically on YouTube when you share it to people who aren't already searching for it. Yep. All right, we got one more. Let's uh, let's let's wrap this up with Marie. Marie, I'm bringing you on. What's up, Marie? How are you? I am so excited to be here. Can you hear me okay? <laughs> we can, yeah. Great. I am so excited. Um, I'm a new agent as of January. I actually have had my license for a while, but I was making over six figures in my former job, and I, I, I kept running through my head, the 87% that fail. And I thought, oh, I don't want to be one of them. Mm -hmm. But it just got to the point where, you know, after 16 years of being in the car, driving, driving. So I finally said, oh, just do it. So um, I've jumped in and I've done a couple of coaching over the last couple of years. And it's like everybody has their own platform. The first one I was in, it was all Facebook, 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 mm -hmm. and very heavy into CRM, CRM. And then I joined EXP with a sponsor and, you know, he was, he likes YouTube, but he goes through all the platforms. And quite frankly, like you were saying, Levi and Chrissy, um, when you're on uh, YouTube, now I've done some YouTubes with my prior brokerage, but, um, you know, people form a relationship with you. And, um, but I found that with Facebook, it was really kind of like a waste of money. And I even tried po postcards. That was a waste of money. And now they're dogging me. Oh, please, please buy another $3,000 worth of postcards. Yep. And 
and I'm so, and people like you, Levi, because you're so natural, you know, you make little bloopers like the reptile one. I'm a warm blooded reptile. I love that. <laughs> um, I but you know, you kept it going, you know, you didn't get flustered and you also speak in a normal tone and a normal speak. And I've been told that I speak too slow um, and you have to be entertaining and you have to be all the, yeah, you don't want to be a dud. I mean, you want to smile and be, you know, engaging, but you know, you're not going to have a personality transplant for God's sakes. And as you said, there's somebody for everybody. Mm -hmm. So I want to thank you. I'm very excited to be here and um, to learn. And I actually found out how to enter the studio. <laughs> I am right. persistent. Okay. So thank you. So you're, you're uh, Annapolis, Maryland. I am. <laughs> I thought, I thought so. It, the icons are a little small on our screen, but I thought that might be you. So. Thank you. Well, th I mean, thank thank you so much uh, for all the kind words. Yes, and yes, and so be yourself. I, I do think when you get on video, you do kind of you you want to step up the energy a little bit. But again, you don't want to yes. be this this uh, character either. So, right. uh, but at the same time, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I really appreciate that. So it's just I don't know. I just I have fun with it now. I my camera is my friend, and so that's mm -hmm. the way I see it. I feel like I'm taking my friend through the neighborhood, and this is what I try to relay that information to agents is that. You do this all the time. You've done it uh, probably for years. Where and if I came to Annapolis right now and said, "Hey, you know, can you sell me a house or help me find a house?" You could say yes, and you could take me around. You could show me all the neighborhoods. You could talk through all of that in one take. You know, we don't, we don't, you don't take somebody into a house and go, "Oops, uh, let me hold on, let me do a second take. Oh, let me do a third take. Let me do a fourth right. take. Oh, wait, I messed that up." And so. Right. You know, people feel like they have to do that on video because it has to be perfect. And yet you're not perfect in real life and you don't mm -hmm. do that with clients. And, and if you stumble over your words or trip, you just or, you know, uh, you can't get a lockbox open. You're just kind of like, oh, hold on. You, you work through it. But, right. you know, and, and so just allow the natural things to happen and then just, uh, you know, but have that conversation with the camera because that's going to uh, go way beyond your conversation with just one client. Correct. So thank you for teaching us. Um, you're the first one that has actually been natural and said, don't worry if it goes too long. Because I've also been told five minutes and then cut it off. Mm -hmm. Oh, one, one quick question, Levi, if I may. Sure. So one of the, um, my sponsor is saying, do pattern interrupt. Um, have things come onto the screen as, as you're speaking, like a call now or, or something along those lines. And I didn't know if that was distracting to what uh, what's being said on the YouTube. What's your thought? Uh, well, actually, I, we I think when you're trying to get in here, we were discussing pattern interrupt quite a bit. So you might um, you could always go back and watch the replay. But just to kind of sum that up, I mean, I think pattern interrupts are important. Now, uh, call now. I don't know. To me, that's a little infomercially kind of yes. you know. So. We talk about pattern. If you're going to have something on the screen, it's better to have B-roll or just you know a clip of the neighborhood or drone footage. Or uh, I noticed my editor right now really loves Friends apparently because I get a lot of Friends clips in there. So uh, and in the office, I think that's their go-to is Friends and the office. So anytime I say something profound, you know, it's usually 
it's usually uh, who is that? Michael Scott, you know, doing something profound. If I'm smacking my head, if I say something silly, it's I don't know, it's Jim, right? Jim can't. He's it's like, oh, yeah, you I get just, lots of light. yeah, I get light. a lot. Of, I, you know, I don't know, but you know, I'm like, okay, I, I, I mean, I like it. So, but I mean, something like that. So the the graphics or the B roll or just little funny clips in there that emphasize what you're saying. That right. those are all pattern interrupts, and that's fine if you're doing an office video. If you're outside in a neighborhood. We talked about this where if you're outside in the neighborhood, you should have natural pattern interrupts or camera angle changes oh, exactly. because, yes. you know, you can simply shift, you know, just like this. You mm -hmm. can change hands with your camera. Uh, there's just a lot of things you can do. I mean, just even walking, like even just your your um, your gait when you walk is kind of a uh, depending on how you walk. I don't know. So I notice I actually notice I have to be careful not to drag my feet whenever I'm walking because my microphone is so good, it can pick up that shh, shh, shh. And I tend to, if I'm walking on in the neighborhood, I will, sometimes I'll walk fast, sometimes I'll walk slow. If I'm walking slow to make sure I cover a house or something, uh, then that's where I'll tend to, my feet will just literally shh, shh, shh. And whenever I'm reviewing a video, I'm always like, oh, darn it, <laughs> drag my feet. Now, I, I typically pick that up sometimes, so it may only happen once or, or twice. I, I, in the beginning, I noticed I did it quite a bit, and I was just, because sometimes when you're walking by yourself, that's kind of uh, peaceful in a way, you know, when you kind of just, you know, just kind of shimmy and, and, and uh, scrape the concrete. I don't know, you know, if you're just walking by, but I got to remember, it's not about me. What it, it, On camera, I, I don't think it sounds good, so now I have to make a conscious effort moving forward, not to shimmy my feet on, on the ground. So those types of things, if there's leaves, you know, like during fall, you want to be mindful of walking literally on leaves uh, on the sidewalk or on the street or things like that. So just, just think about that. But otherwise outside, you should have plenty of pattern interrupts, plenty of, of angle changes, but yeah, office videos, I think that that definitely matters because of if you're, you're mainly just sitting there. So right. um, now we also talked about you could set up a second, if you have another iPhone or something like that, you could yes. set it up from the I side. Yeah. Yes, I yeah. like that. And I like, but you know, your pattern interrupts are life. Here comes a car, I better get out of the street, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Um, but I'm talking about, you know, call now. And I mean, at one point you did have call, text, subscribe, bell, something like that. But that was kind of cute because it was almost like a cartoon with the arrow yeah. touching each one. But um, well, I, that's at the beginning too. So that's yes, that's it, yes. that is that is a specific call to action that's different, you know. Yes. So that's a specific call to action where I'm just telling them, hey, you know, give us a call, shoot us a text, send us an email. That that is giving a visual. But I I wouldn't recommend wouldn't be my recommendation, and I haven't done that where it just randomly yes. pops up through the video just to right. pop it up. Right. Okay. All right. That sounds great. All right. All right. That's it for me. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. Thanks for coming on. Good to talk to you. Good to talk. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Whoops. Clipped her a little too short there. Uh, all good. Okay. All right. Shastine, uh, Shastine, you're going to have to pop your camera on. Uh, you get to come in right at the last minute, of course. All right. We'll, let's, we'll, uh, we'll jump on real quick and let us know, uh, or, I don't know, comment, question, concern. Yes. What can we help you out with today? Yes, so you can see me. Oh, great, great, great. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, you um, look like you're in a so, really comfy chair. Is that your office? Uh, 
No, I'm getting a pedicure with my girlfriend right now. <laughs> oh, okay. I see. Oh, living up that real estate lifestyle. <laughs> well, you know, your toes got to look good. Just keep the cameras off. <laughs> there you go. Now, um, so the question that I have is, um, you know, I am in a smaller area. I'm in Vancouver, Washington, which borders Portland, Oregon. And um, when I'm obviously following you, I see that you um, you advertise Dallas although you do a lot in Plano, which is about 30 minutes away. However, in Vancouver, um, we either have 30 minutes going into Portland, Oregon, in which I don't do Portland, Oregon, and I'm sure I know you're going to say, well, do it anyway. Um, otherwise, um, you know, if I stay in Washington, you know, my 45-minute drive, there's only one other main um, area, which would be, you know, Kelso, Kalama, Longview. That's kind of those little areas. So what I'm wondering is if, if I... If I'm wanting to stay in Clark County, which is more of the tip of Southwest Washington, then would I aim it more towards, you know, communities, suburbs? You know, I think we have uh, four different little actual cities within Vancouver, but really they're like 15, 20 minutes from downtown Vancouver, which is Vancouver. So, um, so when I'm trying to create the YouTube banner, like what do I want it to be? So far, I have it as... Um, uh, living in Southwest Washington is how I have it. Okay. Um, you know, I did the YouTube buddy, you know, and, and looked at everything. There's a couple others that already have living in uh, just Vancouver, Washington, or living in, you know, uh, Pacific Northwest, or, you know, so I'm kind of like trying to figure out how I'm going to tailor, since I don't have as many areas as it seems like you do, so that I can always have content after exhausting you know the initial of the smaller cities that i have or not really cities because we're about 15 20 minutes from vancouver <laughs> yeah so is vancouver your your main market yes it is okay uh -huh. i mean i i would just try to position it probably and if it has the most search volume because i i typically people as far as I know, I haven't really seen it search like Southwest Washington. You know, they're probably going to search Vancouver. That's probably more specific. Uh, but I would look at it. I mean, if you can get away with it, it's Vancouver is probably going to be the bigger driver. I mean, we we are definitely Dallas, Texas, but I mean, we hardly sell anything in Dallas. It's it's literally all the suburbs, and so that we end up working in. I mean, we do some business in Dallas, but I mean, we just, uh, everybody, that's the main driver, the main attractor, and then we go out from there. So my, my initial assumption would be Vancouver, and then you have playlist on all the other little areas around there. And then you make as many videos as possible on those areas to, to get as much information out there on, on all those little areas that you want to work. But ultimately, I couldn't tell you anything close to Vancouver other than maybe Seattle. Uh, and right. so I, I would know, but I may start with, I, oh, I know I want to be on at Vancouver because it's on the border. Or uh, I think, don't people shop there because there's no sales tax or something? Is that what I've heard about uh, it? Vancouver, there's no income tax. Portland, Oregon, there is an actual income tax. We actually okay. have a sales tax in Washington. So people so, live in Vancouver, right? And then commute to Portland? We'll go to Portland to yeah. buy our big items. Yeah. Okay. Oh, there's no sales tax on, on, on purchase items in Portland? Right. Right. So you live in Vancouver, but you shop in, in Portland 
Okay, yeah, that's see, that's what I'd heard before. So that would so I would exploit that for videos one way or another. Sure. You know, that would be that'd be a series of a couple of videos. Um, so uh, then, uh, so then, so Seattle, Washington, which everybody knows Washington as, that is like two and a half to three hours away. But you don't want to like I, you don't want to work yeah. Seattle, right? No. Oh, well, yeah. well, and that's my question. I mean, because it's that far away, I wouldn't use that as a major, uh, as like yeah. living in. Now that, who knows, I'm sure there's a million people in living in Seattle, Washington already as far as, well, probably not a million agents, but that do YouTube, but you know. That, I mean, um, yeah, it could be, I mean, you could look at Vancouver living or, you know, moving to Vancouver or relocating to Vancouver. I don't know. Maybe you might have Maybe people are fleeing Seattle and moving to Vancouver, uh, you know, because if it's a little bit more conservative okay. compared to Seattle, that's something else. You may have a bigger relocation market than you know. I mean, but I would, I would capitalize off of those those tax variations Just, and things like that. But probably still Vancouver will, may be the main driver still. Okay, so drop the Southwest, uh, you know, living in Southwest Washington, and do more of just Vancouver, Washington. That's it. And feature and do the and do the suburb. I mean, do all the neighborhoods and suburbs around it as playlist. Yeah. Okay. I think. I mean, I. I, Other agents have it though. No, I mean, well, YouTube doesn't. I mean, it's. Yeah, I know. The thing is, is YouTube doesn't limit channel names. I mean, there's no exclusivity on channel names. So, there's there's two thoughts behind that. Um, Number one. You can piggyback off of if they have some momentum, you know. <laughs> so, uh, but number two, yeah, it's not really original to name it uh, the same as another channel, right? So there's a there's a little bit of a good side and a bad side. I would say yes, if you want to be unique, if you really really want something that's just different, then you could do Vancouver living or moving to Vancouver or relocating to Vancouver. But it's not going to stop anybody else from duplicating that name. Uh, as well. So somebody could come in and make the same name you have. And then, and then what do you do at that point? If you're like, well, I want my own name. Uh, you're still in the same situation if you made a living in channel. Right. But, um, you know, I, so I, w- I would just look at it. If the search volume is not that much different, I mean, Vancouver is going to be the main driver, but you could change it up a little bit. And so, um, you know, make sure to put Vancouver, Washington, because every time you say Vancouver, they think it's Vancouver, BC. Yeah, that, I mean that—that's the other Vancouver I know of. Yeah, and it—and it's probably maybe a little bit more known. Um, but. Uh, okay, okay. So make sure to stick with the Vancouver, Washington, and see what I have to move around there to keep it. Uh, so I would explore it. Yeah. I mean, I would definitely okay. explore it. So, but I think that'd be and the it's way okay to... if I'm duplicating another name out there. That's the A-okay. Yeah. Because if you come up with your own unique name, it doesn't stop anybody from duplicating your name. Okay. All right. Perfect. And Thank you so ultimately much. it's going to come down to personality, right? So if somebody finds two living in Vancouver channels, they get, they're going to watch that one. They're going to watch yours. And, and the people that like you are going to call you. Okay. I mean, the people that like the people that like pedigures and big comfy chairs, they're going to be like, yep. Right? You got to be comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be like, that's my Thank person. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, have a great day. Appreciate it. Thank You're welcome. You. All right. Well, I'm going to I'm going to cut it off before we get, get any further uh, <laughs> down the rabbit hole. Uh, oh, 
Okay, there's a few more questions. All right, well, we're good. I think we, that covered everybody today. So thank you for joining us. Don't forget, hit that like button. I probably should have said that way sooner, but you know, hey, we're still trying to figure this thing out. So anyways, thanks, Chrissy, for joining us. Always. All right, see ya. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. If you're interested in partnering with us to access our YouTube course and coaching all for free, schedule a call at fivestarstrategycall.com.